0: text for the message this morning is do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12 verse 21. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we read through Romans 12, we can see the Holy Spirit leaves us in no doubt that we can expect to see evil in the world. The first verses warn against being conformed to this world. In Romans 12, verse 9, the Holy Spirit tells us to abhor what is evil because the Lord knows how easily believers can stop loving, honoring, and caring for one another in their slothfulness. Romans 12, verse 14 mentions the evil of persecution that we can expect in this world. And verses 15 to 17 warn of the divisions and suffering that are caused by a haughty. It's an arrogant and selfish spirit when someone who is treated wickedly responds to this by repaying evil with evil. And as we struggle against the sinful inclinations of our own heart in a broken world where there is so much evil... We need the guidance of the Holy Spirit in His Word to learn how to respond when we are treated in an evil way. How to respond and do, like we read in verse 17, what is honorable in the sight of all. Well, the eternal King of Peace, Jesus Christ, teaches us that citizens in His kingdom are peacemakers. And by describing citizens of the kingdom of heaven, As peacemakers, as opposed to just peacekeepers, our Lord shows us that citizens of his kingdom will want to do something about the evil they see and experience. Although it is not honorable in the sight of all to repay evil with evil, it is also not honorable in the sight of all to respond to evil by pretending there is peace. When there is no peace, the Holy Spirit summarizes his instruction with words that call us to action. Overcome evil with good. The word overcome has a sense of conquer, conquer evil with good. And the starting point for this command is found in the work of Jesus Christ who obtained peace with God for everyone who believes in him. As we sang in Psalm 72, and as the angels announced to the shepherds in the fields when Jesus was born, the King whom God appointed is able to bring peace to the earth. And Christ brings peace among people on the earth through his Spirit who gives the church a desire to live as peacemakers. God instructs us how to live so that when we look back behind us on the path that we have traveled on, we are able to see that our lives brought good to evil situations. It's like a flower girl at a a wedding leaves behind a, a trail of beautiful rose petals on the ground that she walked on. Or like a, a snowplow that overcomes the mess in front of it to leave the good of a safe and clear road behind it. When Christians pass through an evil situation, they will leave a trail of good behind them. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, Christ the King of Peace directs his church to overcome evil with good not to seek revenge and remorse, but rather repentance and reconciliation. You see, when the Holy Spirit dwells in the hearts of those whom God has adopted as his own beloved children, these sons of God in the kingdom of heaven can see that evil interferes with the peace that God obtained for us through Jesus Christ. The question is, how then do we respond to the evils of pride or selfishness or envy that we see in ourselves or in those around us? When Paul urges us in verse 14 not to be slothful in evil, it's actually verse, uh, uh, verse 11, when Paul urges us not to be slothful in zeal, he touches a nerve with many of us, especially those of us who dislike thinking about our sins or confronting others about sins more than they dis- dislike the actual evil and harm. The word slothful points to a laziness of spirit, a tendency to just coast down the path of least resistance, a preference for talking about problems in the church or the lives of others rather than actually bringing positive change. We might think that we are promoting peace by doing nothing about evil, but using the strategy of not fixing something that ain't broke when something really is broken is not helpful. And not only is it not helpful, as we think about it, we see it also shows a lack of humility about our own sinfulness, a lack of love for our neighbor, a lack of faith in the Holy Spirit who can bring change, a lack uh, and, and a disobedience to God who commands us to overcome evil with good, to be peacemakers. That's why when the Holy Spirit urges us to give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all, He uses very strong language to emphasize how passionate we must be in this desire to overcome evil in this life. If you look at the words he he uses, he doesn't just say, you know what, you should should think about doing something about evil that you experience in this life. But he commands us, he says, let love be genuine. Strong word, abhor what is evil. Hold fast as I cling to to it like glue. Hold fast to what is good. Be fervent in spirit. And then all the the, the big uh, adjectives of never be wise in your own eyes. Live peaceably with all. Don't just love your enemies from a distance, but serve them. You see, a lack of zeal in pursuing brotherly affection, grieves the Holy Spirit. Because when He dwells in our hearts, He makes us fervent, which is a word that literally means boiling over. He makes us passionate. He stirs us up emotionally. He makes us on fire for what is good. And this fervent desire to see good overcome evil makes us alert to the different ways that people are overcome by evil, which the Apostle mentions in Romans 12. The Apostle is very clear that the sinful human nature that we are constantly struggling against is judgmental and proud and conceited. And that makes it very hard to show concern for the well-being of people who do evil things against God and his church makes it very difficult to want to give thought to doing what is honorable in the sight of all we struggle with that with with that desire for revenge that paul mentions in romans 12 verse 17 we often feel that it is the duty of the wronged person to even things out again to even the score The word justice might be used to cover over a desire for revenge, but there's a big difference between seeking revenge and praying for justice. People who pray for justice, they want to see God's will be done and his commandments obeyed because they long for holiness in the kingdom of God. They would be overjoyed to see an evildoer change his evil ways. They'd be overjoyed to see the evildoer escape punishment. People who seek revenge, however, like Jonah, are more interested in seeing bad people suffer than in anything else. Think about how often we have that in our own lives. How often have we not thought in... In, 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 our, in our minds, I'm, I'm going to make that person pay for what they did. I'm going to make them sorry. Might happen on a sports field or sheet of ice. might happen in a school setting. You might even picture a little bit of the different ways that we could be avenged. We want others to feel, remorse, regret for what they did through their suffering. Fellow classmates or colleagues or other members of the congregation here in Emmanuel, we want them to to suffer for how they harmed us in some way, maybe excluded from a friend group, not invited to events, maybe failing school, maybe alone with no friends or paying huge fines, they cripple their own success, regretting they ever dared to make you look bad. And then we think, well, that serves them right. We think about ourselves. Well, I saw evil, and I did something about it. I gave them a taste of their own medicine. I overcame evil with some evil of my own. Can you think about what someone who doesn't know about the Christian faith would think about us for these kind of thoughts and desires? Doing nothing about evil is not honorable in the sight of all, but neither is doing evil back. We need to give careful thought then to how we respond to evil in this world. And that begins by giving thought to the evil intentions of our own sinful nature. Paul puts the onus of peace on the Christian citizen of God's kingdom by stating very clearly in verse 18, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. These words make us begin the peacemaking process with a careful analysis of the possible ways that we may be contributing to any conflict in our lives. These need to be identified, confessed, and removed first so that we can say to the Lord that we did everything we could as Christians except to deny Christ to make peace with our neighbor. The only thing that's hindering the goal of living peaceably with others was lack of repentance on the part of the other person, or rejection of God, or insistence on conflict and avoidance. The Holy Spirit wants you as members of Christ's body, bought with His blood, brought into the peace of His kingdom. He wants you to rejoice in the evidence of His grace in your lives, that you are fully, wholeheartedly determined to forgive our neighbor. To pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors with a clear conscience. We cannot pray these things if we are seeking revenge and remorse in others. So we need to again consider our own lives and ask the question right now, Am I at peace with everyone? And if not, you can ask the next question. Have I tried to reconcile with the person that has harmed me? So that I can look my Father in heaven who brought me into this kingdom uh, of peace and I can look him in the eye and I could say that this sad break in the relationship is against my will. And that even my enemy would agree with me, that as far as it depends on me, I have done everything I can to live at peace with my neighbor. That's what the Holy Spirit is teaching us here in Romans 12. And we see how bitterness can really hinder that call to be a peacemaker. Bitterness imprisons us in the past, bitterness blinds us to change in other people. Bitterness clouds our judgment. It leaves a trail of more brokenness rather than a trail of good, which is Christian love and peace. In Romans 12, the Holy Spirit teaches us not to ignore evil, nor to go about avenging ourselves as if we were in the place of God, but rather to be concerned about the well-being of everyone and to seek to bring good to their lives by showing Christian love. And Paul highlights the justice of God and the seriousness of persisting in sin against him by reminding the church that it is written, and it's in verse 19, it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. That promise of the Lord's vengeance is found in the song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32, which was a song that was used to teach the people of God in the desert about how they would rebel against the Lord when they got to the promised land. The song contains a similar theme to the beginning of Romans 12. Although the nation of Israel had been chosen from all the nations of the earth, they responded to the perfect Creator's love, by turning away from him in their sins. And so they could expect God's wrath and punishment for their sins. It was a sobering message for the people of God to hear even before they came into the promised land. The only comfort in this warning was that the ungodly nations that God would use to punish Israel would not be able to oppress the church forever. And that God would rescue a faithful remnant from his people out of the clutches of, of evil by avenging his enemies so that he might have compassion on his servants and once again vindicate his people. It's the context of the quotation that Paul gives. And Paul can look back and point to everything that God promised happened exactly as God said that it would. You can think about it, the Assyrian kingdom fell after they had taken the Israelites into exile. The Babylonian kingdom fell after they had taken the nation of Judah into exile. Even the Roman Empire, which was powerful in the days of the apostle Paul, fell under the wrath of God for their wickedness. The promise of vengeance, the vengeance of God, continues to serve the church today as an assurance that he sees everything that's happening, that he is is in control over all the nations and over all people, even those people who persecute the church or who cause harm to you. We live each day knowing that God sees everything. He knows what is happening in our lives. And we know that his vengeance against evil is inevitable, it's certain that it will happen. When a person does evil, yes, when we do evil, we can know that unless we repent and seek peace with God and our neighbor, there will be punishment. Now, although a person without the Spirit might think, it's so good to know that that evil person will suffer God's wrath, The Christian believer will immediately be filled with compassion when we think of the vengeance of God against the wicked. Be filled with compassion, the same compassion that God has shown to us as Christians. The Lord doesn't delight in the death of the wicked, and neither do we. Those people may be hurting me, but they are made in the image of God. They are weak sinners like I am. They can have all their sins forgiven if they just turn to to the Lord and seek in repentance and seek the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. Do you see how the Lord's announcement of vengeance leads Christians to seek repentance and reconciliation in their own lives and in the lives of others? The way is open. The Father's arms are ready to receive everyone. Will we allow ourselves to hinder God in his work? The only way to overcome evil in our own hearts is through confession and repentance and trust in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. The only way to end conflict with others is by being honest about our sins and our struggles, approaching those who harm us in love expressing our desire for reconciliation and doing what we can to show the sincerity of our desire for peace. If they are Christians, those who are harming us or have harmed us are Christians, with the Holy Spirit in their hearts, you can know they will respond with the confession of their sins before God, repentance and thanksgiving. And if they are unbelievers, they may not seek peace with God, but they will see that you are sincere by your actions. The response to evil that is honorable in the sight of all is the response of Christian love and charity. The Holy Spirit then commands us to do good to others, not to act like them. Quoting Proverbs 25, verses 21 to 22, the Lord commands believers, if your enemy, and the word for enemy is one who hates you, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. You must overcome evil with good. When someone wrongs you, then sincere Christians will want to love like our Lord Jesus taught in Luke 6. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So the Holy Spirit is saying, when you pass through evil, seek to leave a trail of good in your wake. A trail of good things like kindness, mercy, and a heap of burning coals on their heads although it may be unclear to us how a heap of burning coals could could be a, a good thing, whether it's because these burning coals could cleanse like the ember that cleansed Isaiah's lips, or because it was a practice that people had in that day to, to show that they were repentant. The Holy Spirit is clear that our love has the intention of bringing change, positive change, in the hearts of the people who hate us. Whether it be from feelings of guilt or gratefulness, as a result of our love, Christians want those who hate them to repent so that they will not have to suffer under God's wrath, so that they might share in the goodness and and peace of being citizens in the kingdom of God. And so we think about our own lives, we think, what kind of trail are we leaving behind us? If, if we look back after we pass through a, a difficult situation, do we see the people that we've spoken to and had an influence on, are they, are they in a better situation than before? You can think of your whole life. What will be spoken of you when it's your day to pass away? peacemaker is a person who loves God and loves his neighbor. Peacemakers stand out in the world because they desire to overcome evil with good. Peacemakers want everyone to live in peace with God and their neighbor, beginning with those who have harmed them. This is the Christ-like behavior that is described in Romans 12, among those whose minds have been renewed. And so one topic of discussion on the the family visits may be exactly this, that the question of, of what kind of trail you leave behind you when you are confronted with evil in your lives. How are you working at being a peacemaker? And we pray that God might guide us through His Word to courageously overcome the evils that have been done to us with good in return, out of love, out of a desire to share in the peace that Christ has already obtained for us by his death, by his resurrection. Amen.